You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. Exclusion, whether it's racism or misogyny or homophobia or whatever, it's already within many of us. What are our faith traditions doing to challenge and to change us? Are our faith traditions, are they helping us be more just or are they embedding injustice more deeply into our souls? This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 269 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee might have to offer us today in our work of love, compassion, action, and justice. Our, our feature text this week is Matthew 12, 33, make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. And our title is Healing the World Part 2. Now, before we begin this week, I want to take just a moment and thank all of you for your support uh, during this year's Giving Tuesday. With, With all of our matching funds donors, We raised just under $6,000 to help uh, Renewed Heart Ministries grow, and and I I just can't thank you enough this week. Our work resonates with so many of you, and I'm so thankful for your support. We're looking forward to doing even more in this coming new year. This last October, we ran an article and a podcast entitled Healing the World, and shortly afterward, my friend Joel Avery, he sent me a story about deep racist medical neglect and abuse in a healthcare facility that was then owned by uh, the Christian denomination that I grew up in. And if we're to be agents of healing and change, I believe we must first admit uh, where we've been the source also of injustice rather than healing. And I think uh, uh, sometimes we neglect this, but but uh, we'll talk more about that in just a moment. This is from, uh, this telling of this story is uh, from Dr. Jason Hines, and I'll, I'll give you a link to it in this week's uh, e-site. But Dr. Hines writes, I think sometimes we believe that the very nature of the healthcare industry and the particular view of healthcare that we here have at Advent Health University insulates us from the ill of society. Nothing could be further from the truth. Lucy Byard is a name not often remembered inside or outside of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Understandably so. She arrived at Washington Sanitarium and Hospital, an Adventist hospital, on October 14, 1943, in critical condition. Because of her condition, the hospital admitted her immediately. There was just one problem. She was black, and Washington Sanitarium did not admit black people. Once they discovered her ethnicity, they removed her from the room they had given her and made her wait in the hallway in a robe. Hospital managers made arrangements to transfer Bayard from the Maryland-based hospital to Freedom's Hospital, the Black Hospital in Washington, D.C. No one at Washington Sanitarium examined or treated her before they transferred her. They eventually transported Bayard to Washington, D.C., not in an ambulance, but in a car. Unfortunately, she died at Freedom's Hospital before doctors could treat her there. Lucy Bayard died after being rejected from an Adventist hospital. On that day in 1943, healthcare workers 
workers decided to exemplify the worst that society has to offer. Byers' death incensed African-American Adventists in the Washington, D.C. area. As a result, African-Americans created an advocacy group and sought equality of treatment in the Adventist church. In response, the church created a half measure not requested by those who protested, a segregated church structure. And I'll just add to the story here. To this day, Adventism in North America has both black and white segregated uh, conferences. But uh, he goes, he continues, I wish the, uh, the Lucy Byard incident had a more Hollywood ending. I wish some white knight at Washington Sanitarium rode in on his trusty steed to stand up to racism and save the day. I know this story makes us uncomfortable. However, it's important for the Lucy Byards of the world to be remembered and for their stories to be told, despite how much it hurts us to tell them and to remember that we live in a world where these things can happen. Black History Month is not only about celebrating the accomplishments and societal contributions of a particular group of people. It's also about the recognition that part of what makes those achievements so extraordinary is the pain and anguish overcome in order to make those accomplishments a reality. Moreover, to remember Lucy Byard is to be fully cognizant of the fact that those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Equality, justice, and fair treatment do not happen by accident and are not transferred through osmosis. It requires effort on our part to make the decision every day to do the right thing. Let us resolve to use this ministry to move the world Forward and again, that's Dr. Jason Hines. I'll put a link uh, to to this in in, in the East Side and, and and for more background about Lucy Byard and her story, I'll put uh, two links as well: Black History Month, Lucy Byard death in D.C. and Lucy Byard eighteen seventy seven to nineteen forty three. Christians uh, have a long history of reflecting the social ills of their society rather than being a part of, of movements for change. And in his famous letter from a Birmingham jail in 1963, Dr. King wrote, here we are moving toward the exit of the 20th century with a religious community largely adjusted to the status quo, standing as a taillight behind other community agencies rather than a headlight leading men to higher levels of justice. And, and, and this is about race, but race is not the only issue where many faith traditions are simply on the wrong side of history. The, the same denomination whose hospital turned Bayard away is today faltering on the path to, to gender equality as, uh, as they argue over a century-too-long debate on whether or not women can be even ordained as pastors. They also, along with most faith traditions today, are still the source of much of the exclusion, the pain, the damage that's experienced by many of my LGBTQ family and, and friends and, and neighbors. And yet, like others, this is a religious tradition that has grown out of the teachings of the same Jewish teacher that taught in Matthew 5, 13 through 14, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And therefore, it's I think it's perfectly appropriate, given Christianity's long history, uh, to ask the same question Jesus asks in this passage, Matthew 13, 5, 13, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out 
and trampled underfoot. I'm often embarrassed to be associated with Christianity. The salt, it feels, really has lost its saltiness. We, we, we can be added over and over again to whatever issue. Uh, and, and rather than changing the flavor toward justice, we instead, we take on the flavor of the social ills around us. When it comes to, to justice or inclusion or equity, often the outcry is that the church is being, uh, the response to those, those calls, uh, the church, the outcries that the church is negatively being influenced by culture and, and that we're just, you know, when we care about these things. We're just being culturally influenced. And truth be told, the church has always been involved by by the culture around it. It's always been influenced by the culture around it. We have to ask whether we're being influenced by the negative things in our culture or the positive things. We are people living within time, space, and cultures. And we have to ask, are we adding the flavor of justice and inclusion and equity to our society? Or are we taking on the bigotry, the fear, the exclusion that we see in our culture around us. Exclusion, whether it's racism or misogyny or homophobia or whatever, it's already within many of us. What are our faith traditions doing to challenge and to change us so that we can participate in making our larger society more compassionate, more inclusive, uh, just, and, and, and safe for everyone. Uh, are our faith traditions, are they helping us be more just or are they embedding injustice more deeply into our souls? A few weeks ago, I shared uh, with friends uh, a Washington Post article on the historic level of diversity that we are now seeing for the first time among incoming congressional freshmen in Washington, D.C. And, and while several of my, my Christian friends um, know how much representation matters and, and they saw this news as a, a sign of hope, Hope. A few of my other Christian friends, they they actually saw it as bad news, as slander against white people, and 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 I had to to simply just shake my head. Large sectors of Christianity here in North America today are primarily focused on individuals attaining postmortem bliss, uh, rather than engaging a present and local work in harmony with Jesus's prayer for people's quality of life to become on earth as it is in heaven. You can find this emphasis in Matthew 6.10. You can find Jesus again with this emphasis in Luke 4.18, in Luke 6.20 through 21. And, and this neglect or this, this misfocus, it's a problem. A faith tradition that's focused on attaining heaven with very little emphasis on participating in liberating societal change, that kind of tradition is extremely vulnerable to glossing over oppression or, or glossing over marginalization and, and exploitation in the present world, in the present life. And I'm at a loss to understand how such an escapist tradition could be built on, on the Jesus who taught about liberating the oppressed in the tradition of the Hebrew prophets who, who like in Amos 5.24, who spoke truth to power and, and called for societal injustice, oppression, and violence to be put right. The kind of Christianity that, that we're seeing today that's focused on, on post-mortem bliss, 
it's too easily co-opted by those at the top of social structures. It becomes complicit. It's, it's so vulnerable to becoming complicit in oppression. And whether it be in matters of economics, race, gender, or sexual equity, or other issues, mainstream Christianity has played a role, sometimes the central role, in damaging marginalized groups. And the idea of, of, of getting to heaven that idea has been used to keep marginalized people also pacified. In the Gospels, uh, we don't read of Jesus going from place to place trying to get people to, to say a special prayer so they can go to heaven when they die. Instead, he brought liberation into people's lives in the here and in the now today. And, th and this is not easy to hear, I know, if, if like me, you identify with the Christian tradition. But, but I imagine that non-Christians might positively resonate with, with much of this. As, as followers of Jesus, we're called to bring, again, to be agents of healing. We're, we're, we're called to bring economic healing, racial healing, gender inequity healing, a political healing, religious healing. We're called to bring healing full stop, just healing. But, but how? Where do we start when we have such a history of, of quite the opposite? First, I believe we have to be willing to, to name or admit social ills. Instead of being in denial uh, or explaining them away, we have to name and admit them. And we have to own where we have played a part in those ills in the past. And we must learn from those that are most affected by our past actions, including those who, who have lived experiences as survivors. And then where we're able, we have to work for reparation, for transformation and, and healing alongside those who have been hurt. The, the stories and the teachings of Jesus, I believe they can inform each step of this process too. But, but first we have to learn to listen to those that we've hurt. I believe that we can change. I believe that we as Christians can be reintroduced to our Jesus and, and his teachings. And this process will be challenging. And I, I know for some, it will be deeply uh, unsettling. For others, it'll be a welcomed relief. And I encourage us to, to lean into whatever challenges we may find rather than away from them. It, it's worth it. Jesus once contrasted letting go of the present to take hold of the new. And in a world of inclusion and connectedness, it will become a reality uh, when we are fully willing to let go of the world we've already created. In, in Matthew 13, 45-46, Jesus says, again, the kingdom of heaven, and that's this, this new world of inclusion and connectedness, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it. Let go of the world we've created to gain a different one. Another world I believe is possible. It's not easy. It's work, but it's possible and it's worth it. Matthew 12, 33, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. 
Heart group application this week. Last night, I attended the Hunger Summit. It was an event here in Lewisburg that was sponsored by the Greenbrier County branch of the National Poor People's Campaign, a call for moral revival. And this event, it was designed to increase public understanding of, of the challenges that are encountered by those who, who live in poverty here in Appalachia. And those who, who, who spoke, they relayed firsthand experiences with, with poverty. And, and then we all, uh, we were invited to participate in creating and then implementing uh, possible solutions. And, and you can find out more. I'll put some information uh, in this week's site too. But this week, as we begin the holiday season, as a heart group, choose some avenue in your community to become involved in and engage the work of healing the world, healing our world. This is a time of year when want is not only felt, but but hearts become more open to caring for one another. And I want to encourage you to get involved in your community as a group and, and make a difference. And then write in and share your experiences with your experiences here uh, with us at, at RHM. And and, and uh, I, w- I would love to hear some of those. Thanks for checking in with us this week. Uh, keep living in love wherever this finds you. Keep living in compassion, action, justice. Keep following the one who, who many celebrate this time of year and whose name all oppression shall cease. Another world is possible. I love each one of you dearly. Happy holidays to every one of you. I'll see you next week. <music>